Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Today I'm joined by Brad. Hi. Our producer. I'm not I- high. <laughs> I don't get high. Brad doesn't get high. Neither do I. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, today... <laughs> Snarf. <laughs> That's uh, a nose nose laugh yeah <laughs> oh man that th- you gotta that was a sound effect it sounds <laughs> it sounds so realistic um today i feel like we have a very special podcast it is very special uh i've been trying to get these guys on for a really long time uh today our guests are uh stacy jones and drew parsons um who play in a band called american hi-fi who have been around when did they form the formed block. in 98 Boston and had a big hit with Flavor of the Week and that stuff. And I sort of reconnected with Stacy uh, at SNL because he is, for the last eight years, has been Miley Cyrus's musical director. So he plays drums with her. He hired uh, Jamie, who plays guitar in American Hi Fi, to be her touring guitarist. And uh, yeah, we hung out in SNL after party thing when Miley was there. And I was like, you should uh, come on the podcast and talk about American Hi Fi. He was also in. A bunch of crazy. He's in Veruca Salt, Letters to Cleo. He's a touring drummer for Matchbox 20. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Owns his own studio in his L.A. resume, it reads well. It reads well. And Drew has like this super cool restaurant in Boston that he opened. Um, so, yeah, I feel like all those guys are doing super interesting things. But I feel like just your trajectory from being in all these like really important like 90s alternative bands to then kind of... Hooking up when he hooked up with Miley was sort of just she just was Hannah Montana still so to get on that train and then like she's taking time off so I'm just such a sweet drums for Matchbox Twenty like it's such a crazy trip and I was just in L A last month and um, he came out and hung out and uh, yeah just like the nicest dude uh, both those guys are and yeah really interesting kind of story yeah you get a, you get somebody like that in here and we don't have to be here you and I could have just gone and like you know got a coffee in the other room and yeah let him roll it probably would have been way better actually yeah, if we'd done that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll do that in the future um yeah it's people like that that make me think we need to do you know triptychs three-part series yeah which we could do i guess we could do that um yeah but yeah maybe we'll get those guys back in here sometime um and what else so yeah so with those guys on uh before we get started really quickly want to say that today's podcast is sponsored by commonwealth press um t-shirt company out of pittsburgh Great guys. Great guys. Big great town. St- great town. Catch up. Catch, catch, <laughs> catch a game. Uh, Steelers. Go Steelers. Yeah, they didn't uh, go. <laughs> there's a big Cleveland Steelers, Cleveland-Pittsburgh rivalry. Yeah, well. But guess what? Don't, don't care about either team. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they're great guys. Big supporters of the podcast. Um, so they're they make help- great t-shirts. They do. They're helping us out a little bit. So... Go to cwpress.com slash podcast. Um, it's like a special page they created for us. And if you order shirts, you get six free ones. Um, so Yeah, I recently did this seminar with a bunch of merch guys from different bands. And they said that when they were selling Commonwealth merch that they got laid more often. Yeah, that's actually a proven thing. Yeah. So there's definitely facts to that effect if you look on Wikipedia. Yeah, look that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the data is there to back it up. Absolutely. So... Um, Anyways, check that out, and without any further ado, here is Stacey and Drew from American Hi-Fi. It's going on track! So basically, the, the premise of this podcast is it's called Going Off Track. So oh yeah, we, we have no idea okay, what we're so doing Okay, so basically here. we just like go off on random tangents. It's nothing's really prepared. It's just like kind of just hanging out. You brought the right cool. people. Yeah. yeah, so we don't have to. Th- we don't have to talk about music at all. We can talk about basically. Fishing. It's just browsing Reddit. Got yeah, it. exactly, I exactly. I hate music. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what bands are out right now. I don't my, buy records. My friend Paul the other day. Uh, he's from Paul from Matchbox Twenty. Uh, set up, put a Facebook post, and he was like, um, "Can someone tell me where I left my love for music? Oh, and my keys." <laughs> I was like, I can relate. Yep. I don't even listen to music anymore. Yeah. I don't. I listen to NPR. Yeah. And I listen to uh I listen to reggae on vinyl. That's it. In my kitchen. I have a <laughs> I have a turntable in my kitchen. Yeah. I listen to a lot of music at work and then when I get home I don't want to listen to music. Yeah. And the car, because I live in Boston, the only music I can listen to is is like 
the symphony channel or NPR because the road rage is so strong that like you can't have anything that'll spark the rage. So it just it has calming to be like, has yes. to be calming. It's like, be calm. My or wife listens to music still. Yeah. So I hear I hear about new bands. Yeah, you need my wife. somebody that you can you can ask. Yeah, she knows them. Listen, I need a band that uh, sounds like Green Day. Yeah. Who's that? I have twenty something employees, so they're they're at the age where I can be like, "What's it? What's the new band? What do you? What do, yeah. do?" I've been listening to this band. I just discovered this new band called the Pixies. And <laughs> I saw them play. I just saw them too. Yeah, they are awesome. <laughs> they are kids great. love them. They seem to they seem to really like them. So today we're joined by Stacy and Drew from American Hi-Fi. All right. In case you guys didn't know that. Hello. In case people didn't recognize Hello. your voices. We have very familiar voices. Yes. Yes. Everyone should it's recognize really our voices. Really high-pitched nasal and whiny yep. sound. Yeah, maybe you should introduce yourself so people can differentiate. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. All right. Should I'm, we pan ourselves? I'm, I'm Drew. Um, wait. I'm Drew, and I'm on the right side. I'm Stacy. I'm on the left. <laughs> we do this in mono. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. <laughs> okay. I'm the least whiny sounding voice, Drew. <laughs> we actually did release one in stereo because it was like there was like six guests. And even though they all had fairly dissimilar voices, I was like, oh my God, it's just too many people to keep track of. So I like panned everybody at like, you know, an hour from everybody else. Like, who, who was it? We did it in rehearsal. Um, the band was it that we had like five or six people in there. Was it uh, the Oblivions? Yeah, I think it was. All right, little history there. Yeah, tube yeah. Sock. go back. Tube sock. Yeah. <laughs> it was tube sock from I there Boise. Was only two members in tube sock. They've got a they've got a split seven inch out with uh, <laughs> Leaf Jepsum from uh, Hunter Sweden. Bindle. Yeah, no, those guys are hardcore. You guys know Hunter Bindle? <laughs> I don't, but I want to. Leaf Jeps, Jepsum and <laughs> we we made up a band called Hunter Bindle. They're like a. I think they're black metal. Right? I think Stacy and I are the only ones that find this is no, funny. We think it's really way. funny. We should probably stop talking. I <laughs> think the name is funny. The name the name is is funny because it's Hunderbindle, but we went so far as to create characters' names. Like so we have the band. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, Yeah, they are written down. They are written and down. we only Ladies think we're the only ones that find it funny. Yeah. Hunderbindle. They're gonna be big. They end up on a guest list usually or there are <laughs> names to check into a hotel. Or... We should put Hunderbindle on the guest list tonight. Yes. They'll be coming. Maybe they'll show up. <laughs> By the way, I have a I was going through my notes last night on here and I just have a note that says Frank. <laughs> not sure what that you guys i like your uh your like messages to yourself in there really oh, funny. Yeah. I, I never use my notes for that that's pretty that, amazing let me read that yeah. let me read that here's a little bit of uh here there's frank yeah yeah no, i i, I <laughs> have important. the same thing happens to me anything older than a week it all looks like that it's yeah. frank what is frank. that i'll put uh, stuff in my calendar and just be like the letter l like, <laughs> yeah. then, like, my alarm will go off i'm like what the fuck is this <laughs> I should have just written the extra three letters. Am I out of L's it's again? So yeah, but- it was so important. <laughs> just L. That was enough. Where is? Time. Oh, here we go. All right. So, little backstory. I was on tour um, in where was this? This was in Australia, and um, managed to find myself in a in a private bar hang with Daryl Jones and Mick Jagger. <laughs> And about 10 other people, literally. <laughs> Where what, was it? On, yeah, it was Adelaide. It was in Adelaide, Australia. The Stones were over there rehearsing uh, for their tour. Why they chose Adelaide, I have no idea. Why not? That, you're the Rolling Stones. Yeah. You can rehearse wherever you want. Because <laughs> yeah. it's honestly, it's like the sleepiest little town, which is probably why they wanted to go there. Yeah. Probably. So anyway, I, I, got, I got a little drunk. And I was walking around with one of the guys in the band. And I just wanted to get in a fight. <laughs> You can do that in Australia. You can. It's really easy to find a fight. Now, that what people should There's know. There's not another human being in Australia that you could kick their ass. Probably There's not. not one person, not one probably Australian not. that any of us could beat. Everyone sure. should know that, that I'm a small man. <laughs> that Australians are when tough. I drink, I, 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 I think I'm bigger than I am. Anyway, so I'll skip most of it, but let's get back to the notes. I wrote myself a reminder when I went to bed that night, and it says, Reminder. Grow up, no fighting, cut the shit, don't drink too much. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and saw that sitting there, and I was like, all right, I am evolving. Yes, it only took to your 40s. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found once you get past 30-something, I feel like 
you you get into the there's the level of drunkness where you do you you know you still do all the fucking stupid shit that you did when you were a kid and, and are just as you know just as likely to go home with some skank or fucking get into a fight yeah and then there's this next level that didn't exist earlier that's like you go the next level of drunkness where you're like where you scare yourself yeah oh yeah and you're like i'm drunk off my ass but oh my god i could die tonight and that's when you wrote that note i probably yeah. did it was probably in that moment <laughs> It's a safety. It's the safety level. Or I will tell you, I did reference that note at a certain point a little while ago. I was like, kind of like getting there, and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll have another scotch. And then I was looked at my. I was like, what did that note say? <laughs> no, really, I, went, I did. How That's did good. you do that? Tattooed Can you train me how you do that? Where's Just tattoo the, it on the back. Yeah. of Yeah, you have to speak to my speak to my. That's therapist. a good idea. That's the tattoo I should get on your wrist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right here in the back of your hand. It's got to be the one that pick up the yeah, glass. One. <laughs> That's me here. Like, you gotta stop put, drinking. You got to oh, put it right here, cool. like right around your yeah. thumb yeah. area. So it's like, oh yeah. Oh man, that is so. Just tastes so good though. It I does. know it's tough. Tastes good when it hits your lips. Uh, so we met on the Warp Tour, mm-hmm. long like time, fifty ago. years ago or something. Speaking yeah. of drunken, <laughs> speaking of old, when, dude. that must have been like oh two, oh three, oh two, oh three, I believe, around somewhere there. around there. Um, and yeah, were you guys on the whole tour, or you were just on like a leg of it? I just remember you guys. We like, were on a had... leg of it. Okay. Um, a pretty good. That was that was pretty funny. We, we went. I can't remember if we went from touring with Elvis Costello to that, or from Warp Tour to Elvis Costello. But it, really. It was like, we went warp to Elvis, it was like and we were supposed to do the whole warp the tour, and we actually um, ended up meeting Elvis while we were doing press for that album. That was our second album, um, Art of Losing. We were doing interviews and stuff, and we kept hearing from journalists that were interviewing us, like, "Hey, do you know that Elvis Costello is like has been talking about your band?" We're like, "What?" And they said, yeah, you know, we asked him, like, what new bands he likes. And he would say, you know, you guys were one of them. So we ended up meeting him. This is actually a pretty good story. Jamie and I were in L.A. at a Grammy party. And we're standing at the bar. And this woman comes up to us. And she's like, she's a publicist. And she said, hey, are you guys, you guys are in American Hi-Fi, right? And we're like, yeah. She said, Elvis Costello wants to meet you. And so I'm, I'm sort of standing there and I'm like, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. Jamie's like, come on, dude, we got to do it. <laughs> right at that moment, Nellie walks up to Jamie and is like, bro, what's up, bro? And like starts bear hugging Jamie at the bar. And Jamie's looking at me like, we've never met Nellie. <laughs> Nellie has no, he, he has no idea who American Hi-Fi is. I'm not sure who he thought Jamie was, <laughs> but he like is like just jumping in on us. And all of a sudden he's like, come on, let's do shots. So all of a sudden we're doing shots with Nelly and this publicist is standing there like, and I'm like, all right, fine, let's go. So Jamie convinces me we have to do this. It's a once in a lifetime kind of situation. So we walk up to where um, uh, Elvis is and he is standing there. It's Elvis, Bono, Gwen Stefani and Lucinda Williams standing there talking. So if you're counting at home right now, I think we're at about eight or nine name drops. So <laughs> starting with Mick Jagger. <laughs> so do you have a sound effect? You dropped all the top Bing! names. Now, so you, you've out of ammo. We gotta just we gotta just work Pharrell in, and we're good. Just save Madonna for the end. All right. <clears throat> um, so I'm like, again, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Like I can't infiltrate that 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 foursome. There's no way. So Elvis like sees us. With and you know he sees his publicist or whatever, and um, and so he like walks just walks away from the group and like starts talking to us and we're talking and he said like uh, he's like I really like your new record he's a like, good kitchen record it's like my wife and I listen to it in the kitchen and I'm thinking like it's Diana Krall right is that no at that no. time no it was uh, Who was it it was before Diana was his manager wasn't it oh no it was the girl from the uh, it was an artist she was an artist yeah. also right what band was she in? I thought it was Diana Krall maybe not I don't know that's I can't remember wife. anyway. Point being, we met him, we got to hang out. We were actually in New York a couple months later. He was doing an in-store at Tower Records. We all went down. Did you come down to that too? Pogues? Somebody on the Pogues? I might have been. Rain not working. I can't remember. Did I anyway, we, so we're at Tower Records. He's doing his in-store, you know, when they, when they used to have record stores. And um, he sees us. So we're kind of like in the crowd and somebody comes to get us and is like, hey, Elvis wants to talk to you. So we end up going backstage, which was just like between the racks of, you know, CDs or records they had sort of roped off. And Elvis is like, hey, what are you guys doing this summer? And we said, well, actually, we're going to go do Warp Tour. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, I was hoping that you guys, you know, would want to open for me. <laughs> and I was like, um, 
Yes, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Let me let me make a call. So I think I called our manager or label or whatever, and I was like, hey, guess what? We're not doing Warp Tour. We're going to go open for Elvis Costello. So we ended up doing, I think, maybe a month on Warped. And then it was a little more than that, yeah. Maybe it was. I don't and, know. It's every day. That's a that's a rough run. Yeah, it felt like three years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah, went to a casino in Vegas with you guys for the first time ever because I was like mm. 22. Mm-hmm. The Vegas show. The oh, Vegas yeah. show was great. That was a, that's a great example of the Warp Tour. We were on at noon in the blazing Vegas sun, and the tickets for Warp Tour said doors at one. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we're, we can't go on. And everybody was like, welcome to the Warp well, Tour. <laughs> we got to go on. We're like, but they there's no one here. They literally can't come in. They're not allowed in. We're just like, okay, we played to like five people. And then yeah. I think we went and saw some movies that day. I went and saw yeah. a movie and then stayed for like a double that's, feature just to be in air conditioning. That's what just you do I think, in Vegas. I think Go we played to, to Benji and Joel from Good Charlotte. Honestly, <laughs> I think really right, they, were, yeah. they were standing there watching us. No one else was there. <laughs> they bought one of our ironic t-shirts. <laughs> Which we still have lots of. Oh, yeah, I got a thousand of those in storage. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you guys have a new record out. Um, we do. And you're playing tonight, Mercury we do? Lounge. Was that I a question? Qu- so. I, I, I guess I sort of said that as a statement slash question. I know, and I was yeah. kind of like, we do have a new record? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. It's out. We do have a new record. Out. Right. Okay. I just saw it for the first time in CD form the other night. I've never I seen a hard seen, copy I of haven't it. either. You signed it. I did? Yeah, who didn't even notice? It was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get out of your typical Stacy, right? No, no, that's right. The Just girl signing away. That, I signed so many things, I can't look at them all. <laughs> that girl, the girl that came from Mexico City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she came. Her brother's a big fan. And he it's your first record in, in what, like eight years or something, or six years? For, or? That's the first record that people know that's that's come out in about eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we tried to put out an album by ourselves. Okay, once. not a good idea. Don't bands like? Well, uh, I shouldn't say bands. Shouldn't. Yeah, some people are. Talented some, enough some to do are that. Better at that than, than others. We thought that we could just hire people to do their job that they say they're going to do, <laughs> and so we gave them lots of our money. And turns out they didn't actually do their jobs. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. We forgot to hire the person that stays on them yeah. to do their jobs. <laughs> yeah. That's the important position <laughs> yeah, yeah. that we missed. We missed that yeah. one, especially in the music business. It was well, a complete disaster. <laughs> well, it must be interesting for you guys because being in a band that sold a lot of records when bands still sold records and kind of doing it now, like everything's changed so much. I mean, what's it sort of like as far as like touring and how you approach things? Yeah, we were just talking about that uh, last night. Just you know, the difference of, um, you know, we were watching that the, the Basement Tape continued movie and, and they were talking about the dream when you were a kid of being signed to a major label and you know right. that, and it's like that is just gone like that is just not yeah. in anybody's brain anymore yeah and which I, I think is a great thing I think the fact that you can build a studio it doesn't take a lot of money to build a build a quality studio and and get something out put it on the internet and get get followers to get into it it's nice that that's nice if if the if you're if you're a talented person my only problem with the ease of recording now is there's there's just Anyone can be in a band, and anyone can put some shit out. And I think there's a lot, a lot of really bad music out there. But like, maybe there always has it. been. I mean, you just feel, yeah, I think there always has been. Yeah, it's it, you're right. What were the tra- I think the the the, the interim period that we're in is going to be about learning to filter that. Right. It's yeah. not so much exactly. about like whether the money's going to come back or anything like that. But it's just once that gets established, I think then musicians will get to lock into like getting paid a little more again. Uh, I just kind of yearn for, um, you know, I'm 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 old, so I'm showing my age, which is like I like to hear people sing and play their instruments. You know what I mean? Like that's what moves me, and I feel like because, and I see this because you know, <clears throat> I make records when we're not doing this. I produce bands, and you know, I tend to produce a lot of younger bands, and you know, these guys will come in and and play a guitar track or whatever. And I'll say like, okay, well, you know, we probably should just go back and let's get that first verse. And he's like, oh, you can just, you can fix that, right? Like, you can just fix it. I was like, you just played it once. Like, let's... And it was horrible. And it was terrible (laughs) and out of tune. Can't we just try it again? Now you can fix it, right? Isn't there like, they got that thing now that you can like, just click it. And I'm like, uh... Musicians, okay. yeah, we have those too. We can bring them. Yeah, it's called session guitar. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. You were telling me a story about some band you met with that were all on their computer, like did everything on just their laptops. And yeah, came and you were just like, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want. I, I I've decided that in my in my old age, I'm taking a, a page from from uh, you know the Dave Grohl book, which is, you know, I just want I want to I want to work with people that can play that are interested in the craft, you right. know, that are interested in like being in a studio and getting a vibe going and like talking about the pixies or the stones or referencing, you know, like I, I I'm, I'm working with a guy right now who's 20 and he's like referencing George Jones and, uh, and Neil Young. And I'm like, yes, like, I oh, love, they're there. I, love I mean, yeah, they're, they're there and it's going to, you know, it sounds fresh. I it mean, does. that's what's the, the best part about autotune and all of this like recording madness that's been going on for the last 15 years is that like that shit sounds awesome. Like it not does. just to us, but even probably more fresh to these kids. It yeah. does. It does. Cause now I think there's a, you know, it's just, it's turning around slightly. Yeah. From so. everything being so perfect, you know, so. Well, what's interesting, I think, is you being the band leader for Miley Cyrus, I feel like a lot of people would think that sort of pop music is kind of the antithesis of that. But it seems yeah. like after talking to you about her, it seems like she's actually maybe different than people might she, think. She totally is. And, you know, I think, you know, go, Google any sort of live performance that we've done, um, you know, especially like the backyard sessions is really cool. It's all acoustic stuff. Uh, MTV Unplugged that we did. You know, she... She sings totally live. I've been with her for eight years. She's never lip synced. There's never, we don't have any vocals on track going to the front of house. Um, That's major. If you come see a Miley Cyrus show, 95% of what you hear coming out of the speakers is being played or, or created by somebody on the stage. You know, we, we have like sound effects on there. You know, we have the occasional thing, you know, that like a little string pad or something, right. but none of the, none of the, the things that are focal points of the, of the show or in the music are, are ever on the computer. It's always played by somebody. And she's wanted to do that from day one. So I give her total credit, you know, when she was, you know, 12, 13 years old playing Hannah Montana songs, she was like, I want to sing. Like, right. I don't want, I don't want any of this track shit. Yeah. And, um, you know, so kudos to her. I mean, and, you know, we've just kind of followed that path. And it's interesting. We play these big shows, you know, like uh, Jingle Ball or whatever. And so we're on stage with all these other bands, pop bands. And, you know, I'll, st I'll stand next to the stage and, you know, you can hear the drummer and you can sort of hear some stuff. And then you walk out to the front of house and you can't, you don't hear anybody on stage. Yeah. <laughs> you hear the track blaring, right? And it's like the groove from the album and it's just the album playing with this sort of band, this sort of underneath it slightly playing all these like fusion licks. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, I don't get that at all. Um, so I'm really proud that we don't do that in, at, at a Miley show and, and she doesn't want that. So, uh, so I'm actually, you know, I'm very, very proud of that fact. I feel like if you had fast forward in 2002 and been like, there's going to be this girl, she's going to be this band, Joni, your sister's going to be in Saturday Night Live. She's going to yeah. impersonate her. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, so crazy. I know. I know. I mean, honestly, I never thought that, um, when I was playing best of both worlds that, you know. In, in ten, you know, eight years ago, that that would lead to a uh, personal <laughs> relationship with Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips, and, a, <laughs> and also a creative relationship. You know, so I mean, I never would have guessed that either. So, so wild. it's and, been a pretty crazy journey. Andrew, you uh, you said you have employees in their twenties. I do. Yeah, my right. wife and I own a restaurant in Boston. Oh, awesome! Yeah, she's been in the re restaurant business for a long time. Uh, we decided to open a place up there. Nice. Um, she basically does everything. I just kind of walk around and smile and taste the beers. <laughs> what, where good. is it? It is uh, on Fan Pier in uh, Boston. It's right on the waterfront. Oh, really? Um, there's a high-end retail store called Louie's uh, that has always been in Boston. They used to be, be on Newberry Street, and they moved down there. Um, it's a new area that's just getting built up now. Uh, so they moved down there five years ago, and we, uh, we opened up a restaurant right upstairs. What's the uh, menu? It's... Contemporary American, probably the easiest way, you know, French influence, but, you know, casual. I mean, there's burgers and fries and that kind of stuff, but I'd say mainly French influenced. Food. It's food. really good. Good food. <laughs> yeah. As somebody good that's food, eaten there many good times. Good cocktail program. We have my, good. my brother who was uh, a longtime uh, resident of New York, uh, worked in a lot of restaurants here. He moved up with, with, uh, about five years ago and opened the place with us. Uh, so he's in charge of the liquor program and kind of all that stuff. That's good. It's a family affair. I'll go eat, man. I'm, they're building another one of these studios up there. Do you know where the Converse? I know where the new building's going to go. Yeah, is it and, near yeah. there at all? I 
yeah, it's close enough. It's right on the border of Charlestown and, and okay. North End. Yeah, it's, it's you could walk. It'd probably be a fifteen minute walk, but that new building's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, we're putting a studio right, cool. right off of it. So, um, yeah, when I go up next time, I'll awesome. I go to the restaurant. Yeah, hit me up. I'll, Do you guys get, go, a, get a contact for you? Are you guys into like going to like nice restaurants on tour or is it? Oh, just, we, yeah, and I, yeah, we always have. I mean, even before I met my wife as a band, I mean, Stacey and I especially just love to eat out. And I, I can't remember we were doing a interview when we got back off tour, and people were like, "Oh, what do you miss the most about Boston?" Coming home, I was like. Uh, going to Radius, like going and having a great meal. Radius, like not only is you know it's my wife's restaurant, but you know we just love to go out and eat. And they were like, "Right, you're joking. Like, you don't eat. That's just like hoity-toity." I'm like, no, I really like that kind of food. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> Radius was like a, a you know like Michelin. It was four star, four star. Okay. You yeah. know, James Beard award winning, yeah. wasn't it? But we always we also like to like on the road. It's not it's not all high end. It's no. like you no. Know, where's the best bird? Where do you get the best taco? Where do yeah. you get you know? It can be it can be like donut. street meat yeah. or you know James Beard. We like you know, we like all all things. We always search out like whatever the best local thing is. It's not always so easy, you know. Well, you're like, no. you're Before right, the internet, it was time. definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you Some were just kid out front. Hey man, where's the best food around here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're gonna be writing your cats's tonight. I know. Yeah, Brian know. was talking about that the other day. He's like, I have to go get a pastrami <laughs> sandwich. We're like, well. There's a place nearby. We'll find you one. Yeah, that's a place to do it. Yeah. I like the hot dogs there. Yeah. Yeah. I get the, the hot, hot dogs. Great. Good really? Yeah. yeah. I've never had the hot dog. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be having one of those in a couple hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a great thing to be burping up on stage all night. Yeah, oh, you might want to have it after. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Stumptown coffee and a hot dog. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a great just show. Slide right through. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So how how does it sort of work with with Hi-Fi? You guys sort of just sort of do it when it kind of works out for your schedules, basically. Yeah, yeah. whenever we can find the time, you know, it's it's become kind of a, just a fan club of four. Yeah, <laughs> we just uh, if we can get together. Jamie and Stacy live in L.A. and and their schedules are pretty similar with Miley. So when they have the time off, Brian and I can just come out. And That's kind of how recording. we did this record. I, I was sort of you know on tour with Miley, writing tunes one day, and I kind of you know had a couple ideas, and I was I. They they sounded like hi-fi tunes, um, so I sort of demoed them, just you know, crappily, and emailed them to the guys, and I was like, "Hey, anybody feeling this?" And everybody wrote back like, "Yeah," and you know, I just saw a little window in my in my schedule, so we uh, we had Drew and Brian fly out, did some recording, and there you go, got a record. So we did that a couple times, right? I think it was yeah, a couple, it was different, a couple sessions. different sessions, yeah. Um, but it was, you know, this is when we need Jamie here because he actually remembers the timeline. Of yeah, things. I am terrible with timelines. <laughs> so I'm terrible. Like, yeah, sure, we did it in uh, two months. Like, no, it was like over like it three was years. Four years. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I the way that I am now, and my wife hates this. Like, this is one of her pet peeves about me. I literally have like, I can remember like minute details of gigs and stuff that I did, you know, years ago or whatever. Right. But I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Yeah, and. <laughs> That's, I'm just, you know, that's getting old. And also, I kind of tend to think about things in terms of what band I was in. So it's like, when did you do that? Well, I was in Letters to Cleo when I did that. So that must have been, that was somewhere between 92 and 96. And like, I can't, I can't pinpoint it any further. The Cleo period. The Cleo period. So is Cleo, then Veruca Salt? Cleo, Veruca Salt. Hi-Fi started while I was in Veruca Salt. Um... When I was on tour, we were we were opening for Bush, and I was watching Gavin Rossdale every night. Like, like I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I'm know. As good looking as that guy. <laughs> I was, get out front. I basically was like, that guy looks like he's having a fucking great time. Like, I want to. I want to. I, I hope try you told this. him that. That's like one of the top ten worst things to say to a band. What? You look like, like you're having a great time. <laughs> a lot of energy. Yeah, a lot of energy. You guys sounded great. <laughs> the sound was amazing. So yeah. Anyway, um, what were we saying? See, uh, I've already Bush, forgotten. Yeah, Bush. You saw Bush. You were like, "Yeah, I can do that." Wanted to do. Oh yeah, wanted to do it. So I just, I just bought a guitar. I literally, this is this is a true story. I woke up on the bus one morning, Veruca Salt. Went to the front lounge, like getting my coffee. I pop open the shade, you know, for the window, and we're parked in front of a music store. And there's a there's an acoustic guitar in the window with one of those Mel Bay's no chord books, like you know, in the strings. And it's like, learn to play guitar, ninety nine dollars. And I had been thinking about you know doing this for a while, and I was kind of like, it's a sign. 
It's a sign. So I went in and I bought the guitar. And for the rest of that tour, I sat in the back. It literally was a sign too, right? Yeah, there was. There literally (laughs) was a sign. And uh, I taught myself how to play guitar. Came back. I already sort of, you know, played a little bit, but um, I learned a couple more chords. And then uh, came back to Boston and just kind of like hooked up with these guys. Went to the, we actually started in the Clio space, right? Um, I think no, that's our yeah, first chance. Or, or may have been one of Brian's spaces. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. anyway, like case of beer, cheap tricks, covers, you know. Yeah, we would just go out drink until two in the morning. And then I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go to make some rock music. Yeah. Take our shirts off and play some punk rock. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it started. So did you ever expect kind of like the flavor of the week stuff, all that kind of mainstream? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. We didn't even have that song when we got no. signed, actually. I hadn't really? written that. Yeah. That we, song was, I mean, thank God for Bob Rock. That song wouldn't have even been on the record. Thank God for Metallica. That's why that song exists. What happened was, um, by the way, this is just a little, you know, this. I think this is a fun fact about American Hi-Fi. We, we recorded our demos on a four-track cassette recorder in my friend's living room, and he right. mixed it. And we got a record deal based on that. We never played a show. Wow. We hadn't done anything. And we got a record deal. And, you know, I, I who, think... Who did you guys sign to? Originally, we signed to Outpost. Oh. So Veruca Salt was already on Outpost. So right. I had, we had an in there. Um, but um, but that, that four-track tape made the rounds. And so all these dudes were like, you know, wanted, they're like, come to New York and play a showcase. Come to LA, play a showcase. No, come to our rehearsal space. Yeah. So we had this shitty rehearsal (laughs) space in Boston below a Domino's pizza. And it was disgusting and filthy. And we said, listen, if you want, you know, if you're interested, we'll, we're going to, here's two days when we're going to be there and uh, you can come watch us in the space. And so we had, we had fucking jason flom and michael goldstone and fucking you know all the guys right all these and these limos were like idling (laughs) out front of this domino's pizza you know and like we were just like one after another it was like all right who's next david Kahn came in there Uh, it was yeah yeah, it was yeah it was pretty funny who else was it ben goldman um we had you know so we had this you know we had all these dudes come and then uh we uh, we went out with some of them. Pontius, obviously. Do we meet with was Pontius? There? Yeah, Pontius part? was there. Um, but so we ended up signing with Outpost. We're making our record, and halfway through the album, Outpost collapsed. They're like, "We're done." Where there was like some merger, and right. really, they only had they had Veruca Salt. They had Days of the New. Um, they oh, had. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, <laughs> Who else? Like Chemical Brothers maybe was on Outpost, I think. Somebody like that. It was basically through Geffen, DGC or whatever. Um, So anyway, they were really cool and they said, we're going to finish paying for your album. And so then we ended up signing with Island, with Pontius, Pontius, because we love Pontius. Um, But the way Flavor of the Week came about was we were recording with Bob Rock in Maui at his studio which is rough, fucking horrible, <laughs> right? Like literally we were waking up, we were surfing in the morning and then going to the studio and then the afternoon we'd go play golf and come back to the studio. It took like seven months in total. Yeah. It was like it no did. rush. Yeah. So is this like, post-Black uh, album? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, by the way, if you look at like the first American Hi-Fi record, we're all like super thin and tan and like, <laughs> fucking buff <laughs> we're like in the, that was the best shape i've ever been in in my entire Agreed. life yeah. so we were just surfing surfing and, i was doing yoga yeah right <laughs> eating like sushi the thing that's great about where bob lives is he lives in there was um, some jack in the box in there but there was a lot of jack in the box. <laughs> he, he lives in in uh, an area that's like not touristy you know so there's no hotels right. um it's just like surf town small surf town and you can go to like the gas station and every morning they they get the best ahi in the right. world that comes in there, and they just have these little you know things of ahi, and they're like you know five six bucks, and yeah. it's just in styrofoam you yeah. know, and you're like so anyway. or some spam, a little spam, a little spam maki, yeah, they yeah. do like their spam. <laughs> um, so Bob calls me one day to the studio, and I I go down there, and he's like, listen. I got to go to San Francisco and record Metallica. They're going to do this like symphony thing. So we're like, okay, we're halfway through our album. What? How long is this going to take? And he's like, well, it's probably going to take a couple of months. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, listen, 
I'm going to give you the keys to the studio. <laughs> what? I'm going to leave my engineer here. I'm going to cut my rate in half, you know, and like he, whatever. He's like, you don't have to pay and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, when I get back, we'll finish the record. And you guys can just hang I'm out. Like, Wait, we have to stay in Maui? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> all right. So, and yeah. luckily, <laughs> luckily we didn't have a record company really on board at the time. So nobody cared, you know, we were sort of in a transition anyway. Right. So we're like, fuck it. Great. We'll stay. We'll write some more tunes. <laughs> and so I wrote flavor of the week during that time, during that break. And I actually wrote it as a way for Jamie to meet chicks. Well, Jamie was going to start a, a, <laughs> All-girl band. That's right. He was going to play drums in the band. Jamie was going to play drums in an all-girl band, <laughs> and I was going to be the, um, who's the, who's the guy, like, from, that did all the, uh, that wrote all the music and sort of created, like, Backstreet Boys and all that crap and uh, whatever. Lou Pearlman? Lou Pearlman? Yeah. He was the manager, right? He was the manager. You were going to be the puppet master. I was going to be the puppet okay. master. <laughs> Behind this all-girl band called Astronomy Club. I already had the name. And we were going to put an ad in the, in the paper in Maui and say, like, you know, girls wanted for all-female band must have lunchbox purse and horn rim glasses, <laughs> yep. you know, kind of thing. And we were going to create this, like, hip, like, sort of punk rock girl band that Jamie was going to be the drummer of. So I wrote this song, and it was like, my boyfriend, he don't know anything about me. And that was the, so that was the song for Astronomy Club. And so one day when Bob came back... They would have been huge. They would have been huge. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been huge. Why didn't I do that? Damn it. Could have sat at home. We wouldn't have had a tour. <laughs> Damn it. He can still do it. There's just no money in it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I was just like playing the song on acoustic guitar one day in the studio. I was like, hey, I was telling Bob, you know, the whole story. I'm like, check out this tune I wrote. He's like... That's a hit. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, change the lyric, you know, like, change it to a guy's perspective. Right. And then, so I remember playing it for the guys and in the band, and everyone was kind of like, mm. it, was, it was a big moment. It was band. a big they moment. They were like, do we want to do this? I don't know. This, it's kind of, it's, it's a big it, step. <laughs> it obviously sent us down a different path, you know, because our other shit, like, you know, we were trying to be the Foo Fighters, right. you know what I mean? Which we still are today. I mean, that's just what we do. I did still an trying. I did an interview the other day, uh, the other day, and the guy was like, you're kind of like a poor man's Dave Grohl. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've been called that before. Been called worse. That's, that's I've, not bad I've definitely been called worse. No, I, I take that as a compliment, yep. for sure. But yeah, that was a moment, and I remember, I can remember us working the song out in the in the studio we're all sitting there playing and i was like fuck this does seem like a hit <laughs> and like we didn't necessarily want that you know what i mean like we wanted to like put out our first album and and you know go on tour and and be a rock band and and you know and it's very interesting because that first album you know there there are a couple like sort of you know pop punk sort of moments or whatever and you know we've always had a little bit of a punk rock sort of thing you know undercurrent um but, you know, that first album, we did a lot of shows with, like, we were touring with, like, Saliva and Fuel wow. and, you know, Linkin Park. And we're on, you know, we're on these festivals with, like, you know, all these rock bands. And then one day, Z100 started playing Flavor of the Week, and we found ourselves opening for Christina Aguilera. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, what? Where are we right now? And all of a sudden, you know, where we went from sort of people thinking we were this sort of cool rock band, all of a sudden, alternative radio was like, well, we can't play you anymore. Right? You're on Z100. Yeah. And it like, and again, it was just like another like flip of the script. You know, we were kind of found ourselves in this very unique position, which is we had this hit song, but people people didn't really get the rest of they didn't see the rest of the band yeah. you know they just saw that and you know we end up like on bills with Willa Ford we played with Willa Ford at a ga at a uh, at a car dealership oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that yep. <laughs> like what the fuck uh, is going on yeah Seriously, like two days ago, we were playing, in, you know, at a um, at the HF Festival with Foo Fighters and Lincoln Park and Coldplay, and then we're opening for Willa Ford at a car dealership. <laughs> oh, it's making me ill. Think about it. Was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, and the shit we had to do, and like, th so we, uh, so then we went from you know doing these radio things where we're like, 
you know, drinking beers in the morning with the fucking zoo crew or whatever, you know, like at some pub with some 41, you know? And then we went from that to like, we're standing in front of a, a donut shop in Phoenix at like six in the morning. And this guy's like, so you guys are all American rejects. Great to have you. Great to have you here. <laughs> and so we're going to play swing, swing. From, and we're like, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> really? Like, this is what we're doing now. It was weird. But so like, I mean, my experience with labels of that era was that they would love to have that hit, but usually the smart ones would also, like, was there a plan in place? Like, how to, like, did they talk to you about, about this new direction? Like, cause, no. Because obviously that could, you could, that could, that could have been it, that one song. Yeah, really I think everybody at that time, like, you know, the, the, the pitch they give you is, uh, you know, we're going to grow this band. We're going to be behind it. It's yeah. not going to be all making the hit and selling records. We're going to build up a following. And, you know, that's and that's always a dream. Which, like, great. Let's put a record out. Let's let's sell some records, get the get to the second one. Let's like really build up right. know, roots. That thing. was the plan. And to their credit, that's what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, we were in a van and we were out there grinding it. And, you know, then all of a sudden we're at, we, you know, we went out with like Eve six or whatever. And we did a lot of touring before Flavor yeah. broke. But then once you get that hit, it's like, OK, there was no cool. turning back. Change of plans. Yeah, so I'm not sure how it happened. Actually, be you know, have to ask Livia and find out. I'm not. I, I do know this: when Jamie and I went around and did like a promo tour for the album, which this is something that labels probably don't do anymore. Um, we went on the road. Me, Jamie, our two acoustic guitars, and the head of radio at the time at Island, which was Stu Bergen, and we we I think it was like a six week promo tour. I mean, it was insane. We would like wake up, do the morning show in New York, get on a plane, do the afternoon afternoon show in Atlanta, get on a plane, do go to Portland, Maine, and you know do some meet and greet and whatever. And it was all alternative stations, yeah. all of them. And so we went and did that whole thing, and everyone was like, "Yeah, Flavor of the Week's great. We love it." You know, and people started playing it, and we were on tour. And I woke up again one morning to a call or something from somebody from the label that was like, "The song's not reacting." And I'm like, what do you mean it's not reacting? Like, we've been going around. Everyone loves it. And, well, it's not researching. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? I didn't know what that meant, really. And so, you know, this is for people that don't know what that means. They, record labels will hire a company to test out your song. And so what that means is they call people in the middle of the day randomly and say, hey, want to want to be a part of a survey? So, which everybody loves. Which everybody <laughs> loves, right? And And then they say tell me what you think of this song. And they play 15 seconds of it or 20 seconds. Brilliant. So, so I said, so I said to our, one of our guys at the label, I think it was Paul or A&R guy. I said, well, what, what are they playing? Like, send me the clip. And this is back before like fucking email MP3s and stuff. So I remember we got like a CD FedEx <laughs> and I, we were on, we were on tour of these six and I stuck it in the CD player of the bus. And it was the fucking intro of the song. And like the first line of yeah. the song that God. was it why don't you send them the hook i'm like send them the chorus <laughs> so they fought so literally like uh, we were like it we had a moment where it was like this is not this might not work you know yeah. the song's not working so they flipped it they sent the chorus out they sent it back through research i could be wrong but i remember this is how it all went no, down that's, that's, and i'm right right I remember it the same way and, it could still be wrong we could just yeah. both be believing this story <laughs> yeah it's exactly. a good story it is a that's good story. all that matters and anyway uh you know they sent the chorus out and the research went through the roof <laughs> go figure yeah and we had a hit it's <laughs> yeah it's weird being in a band is is a weird thing especially when the major label machine you know yeah it's, it was I had a little taste of that, and and like you know, there was some really smart, awesome people there. There and are, and there was the guy that clipped the beginning of the song. Yeah, you know? and like it just the, it was the extremes were kind of astonishing. I, I would agree with that. I think it was just one of those businesses where there's too much money, you know, like oh. and they didn't spend it wise. Yeah, you know, like they didn't necessarily hire the best people to do the best jobs. You're right. And like, the sad part was that, you know, as you know, there's like, there's one or two individuals that are just fucking awesome. Right. Like, oh, we had, I will say, we, we had a stellar crew. We had a fucking amazing crew at Island. Yeah. Like, yeah. Livia, Sheila, Livia, Karen, Sheila, Karen Weeson, uh, Lauren. Pa Pontius was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, we loved all of those people. Julie Greenwald, Lior, like, they were, they were fucking great to yeah. us. Like, I would never say, you know, and we got the royal yeah. treatment for sure. But you'd see those those other people, the classic label yeah. people, and they're the ones that get fired, and then 
get two another months job. later, they get a promotion at another yeah, company. Yeah, like, exactly. How do you just keep <laughs> moving exactly. up? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Stacy, how did you start doing the touring drumming for Matchbox 20? Um, you know, Matchbox, I've known those guys forever. They're one of, one of my first big gigs ever was when, um, when I was in Letters to Cleo, we, our song started getting played in Orlando. I think it was the first place that on the radio that started playing our single. And so we got invited to come down and, and play like a radio festival. It was like a street festival. And it was the first gig we'd ever done outside of New England where anyone turned up and like the, we showed up to headline this little radio thing and there were like, you know, 5,000 people in the street. We're like, holy shit, this is amazing. And so there was a band that opened for us and they remember it because it was the first time they ever played opening for a national act, which was us, right? We were the <laughs> national act. So this band was called Tabitha's Secret, which became Matchbox 20. So they opened for us and I almost got arrested that night because, um, I trashed the drum set at the end of the show because we were just, you know, rocking Nirvana style back then. And the guy... It, Your power <laughs> pop band. Yeah, power <laughs> pop band going, going Nirvana. And, uh, and so we trashed the stage and the guy um, who was the backline rental guy got cops to come up Call to the, the dressing police. room and was like, that drummer, you know, arrest that guy. I was like, what? We were, so we were all hanging out backstage with the Matchbox 20 guys and these cops show up to arrest me. So anyway, we just all remember that little moment. It was a pivotal moment, I think, for, for all of us. But Did you get arrested? I did not. We talked him out of it. Really, all that had happened was I had taken the hi-hat stand and rammed it through the front of the kick drum. Right. So it ripped the front kick drum head and bent the, the, you know, the rod on the hi-hat. That's all that really happened. It looked a lot worse than it was. What a fucking... I want to... The, <laughs> the rental guy. I've met that guy. Yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. Calls the cops. Yes, you had have. a rock show. Steve Weinberg. <laughs> Steve Weinberg kept me from getting arrested. Talked, his tire iron. <laughs> talked him out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway... We've been friends for a long time. Uh, American Hi-Fi opened for Matchbox in, what, 2003? Sure. 2000-something, <laughs> yeah. Art of Losing Record. Yeah, Sugar Ray. Art of Looking, yeah. yeah. So it was us, Sugar Ray, Matchbox. Um, so, you know, we've just been friends for a long time. And Paul, the original drummer for Matchbox, decided at a certain point that he wanted to play guitar and keys and stuff. They used to have an auxiliary guy that was sort of an unofficial fifth member. And when he left the group, Paul, the drummer, was like, I'm going to take that spot and let's hire a drummer. Um, so he actually called me like a couple of years before that ever materialized and was like, hey, we're thinking about doing a new record in this tour. And if we do, we'd like you to, to you know, come play drums. And I was, I was with Miley at the time. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And I sort of forgot about it. And then it sort of kept coming back around. And so, uh, you know, a couple of years later, he called me and and it just worked out perfectly because Miley was on a break making her new record. So I was able to go out with Matchbox. And I went out with them for like 18 months. It was awesome. I loved it. Great guys. Great band. Wow. That's crazy. Lucky. I've been very lucky. Um, yeah. And you met my parents. That's I met exciting. your parents at Saturday Night Live. It was great. <laughs> your dad bought me a beer. Yes. <laughs> at the after party. The thing that was so weird about that after party, so we did uh, Saturday Night Live with Miley, and then we were all hanging out at that, you know, the after party you always hear about, right? Right. And it's like one or two in the morning, and like everyone's sitting down to like full dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and like Lorne Michaels is there. I was like, if I were Lorne Michaels, I'd be in bed <laughs> at that. Like he was there hanging, and like every, all the cast is hanging, and you know, it's weird. We yeah. just did that last night. <laughs> that's true i mean that's we true. flew in Except and we, we went were... and it was like midnight and we're eating dinner and i was like this is so nice that like of course in new york you can sit down to a full dinner that's, it's yes. midnight and this isn't strange yeah. but <laughs> but we're still on la time these are people you that were. live in new I, york they were well, just not, LA time, yeah. yeah yeah those nights are, are weird it like, was you... like dude and then we went to the then they're like okay there's an after after party so i'm like <laughs> all of a sudden i'm like ha like hanging out with aubrey plaza like doing a doing karaoke it's like six in the morning <laughs> like what the fuck and like all those people were there it was packed this club was packed and there and it wasn't full of kids right it was like these are people in their 50s yeah they're like still going for it Ob obviously aubrey plaza is not in her 50s <laughs> no she's very cute she looks good for, for 50 
Yeah. You guys uh, look great, by the way. That's so like 22 guys... name drops now. <laughs> you guys look exactly the same, I feel like, as you did. Like... Man, I must look like crap. <laughs> 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 These guys look rough. <laughs> now we look our age. <laughs> well, we haven't really updated our, our... We're still t-shirt and jeans. That's... That's kind of the uniform. Stick with the classics. Yeah. Never go out of style. Stand by. I was, I, I had that realization a couple years ago. It was like, you know, like my father hasn't, he's always dressed the way my father is dressed. I'm like, when do you decide as a man just to be like, this is my look and I'm going to look like, and I was like, oh my God, I already did it. <laughs> this is how I'm going to be like 80. I'm going to be dressed like this. This is it. This we is don't, um, we don't frost our hair anymore. Yeah. The tips are not frosted. No frosted tips. No mullets. <laughs> yeah. We don't look like Oasis haircuts anymore. No, but I I want you to go back to the like down to your chest, oh, bleach blonde hair. It was a terrible some look. leather pants. I want that back. Oh my god, I did buy leather pants at one point. <laughs> I really did. I wore them like once, and I was like, I can't do this. I actually gave them to Kay from Letters to Cleo. I think. No, uh, Matthew. I think Matthew. Oh, Matthew them. got him. Yeah. Matthew got him. Kay had him maybe for a minute too. Sure. They shared them. <laughs> that was terrible. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> leather pants are hot. Ugh. I've never, never won. We had a, we Don't. had a mo- I was in a band that for a moment decided to do sort of a uniform thing. And the, <clears throat> the lead singer, who was just always full of crazy ideas like that, he was like, this is going to be our, we're going to have this look, you know, this is like, I don't know, this is like 99 or something. And there was like a few bands that kind of locked into, we're not just going to look like schlubs and t-shirts. <laughs> so, so we were like, whatever, dude, just go figure it out. So he goes out and he's like, we're getting leather pants. And he, and he got us all leather pants. He got our sizes. And he, and he got us these black, you know, collared shirts, long sleeved. And then he put like the emblem of the band on. Nice. You know? And like, okay, like a black shirt. I'm not, I wasn't opposed to it, except these shirts that he got were like not just polyester, but they were really that, thick. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, I know that stuff. <clears throat> that's going to smell I just remember good after a couple gigs. Standing. Yeah. Playing a show in the middle of the summer at Emos in Austin, uh, yeah. the outdoor stage, and I'm just sitting there going like, "No fucking way! This is <laughs> it! This is fucking it! It's either I'm out of the band or we're out of these uniforms." Because <laughs> it was like, I mean, I was just soaked in sweat and you know, jeans. I mean, leather pants don't get washed on the road. No, they no. do not. That was the Boston's <laughs> on the Warp Tour, like, oh, I, like yeah. suits, and like all and all, like so many guys in those suits, like hanging in their. They had yeah. a space in their trailer that was that was set up to like hang their their clothes yeah. it's like you know it's 100 degrees out and you guys are in full suits it's crazy and like not standing still <laughs> no you know? going for it that moving was, around we did yeah. a bunch, this band did a bunch of tours with the boston so they're great dudes. we like brad's band was called the we goops we saw that Got this it. was a later band this though, is a later band did the, the outfits <laughs> uh, that that was it. Yeah, that tour I remember. I, I was always showering in one of those bags. Like you'd buy that bag and fill it with water sure. and then hang oh, it from like the rat, side yeah. of the bus and just you dump it on you. Because <laughs> you'd have to wait forever to get a shower. We oh yeah, and we just going to the restroom. Our... I was like, you have to like wake oh. up. You're like, I gotta get up really early. I gotta get up as soon as we pull in yeah. so that it's like a fresh bathroom. Yeah, Thank God that's... we had a shower on our bus that oh, tour. Yeah. That was the best. That's huge. one of the best decisions we ever made was to yeah. get on that bus. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that was that was massive. I mean, how do you sort of look back on, like, so, like, this week I saw the Foo Fighters, I sent Smashing Pumpkins both played here. Nice. And people were, like, losing their mind. Foo yeah. Fighters are great. Yeah. Oh, Smash, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it the one, was it, like, Brad Wilk from Rage yeah. and the dude from The Killers? Yeah, it's just Billy, right? It's just yeah. Billy, yeah. 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 And it's, like, a very, like, strange set list. Like, a lot of weird jamming. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like he the likes oca- to jam. The occasional hit, but I feel like he, like, kind of gets off on withholding, like, no yeah. tonight, tonight. No nineteen seventy nine. Wow, like, you gotta no play chair. the hits, man. Bullshit. Yeah, no, gotta play the hits. He'd give you one, and then like n- weird stuff for like a half hour. And Billy's like going around like slagging everybody. He's <laughs> yeah. like slagging off Pearl Jam. Really? Yeah, yeah, like, right? yeah. Like, Come on, dude. Really? Yeah, it was weird. But I mean, like, how do you sort of look back? Because I feel like that people were like losing their minds. I mean, how do you feel about kind of that whole like nineties alternative kind of era that you guys were kind of a part of? It kind of looking back now, do you feel? I feel like people kind of wrote maybe like wrote it off a little bit at the time as like being just kind of rebellious kind of like nothing yeah the songs were easy to play it was all power chords i mean like do you feel like there was kind of more to it it kind of resonates with people still now 20 years later or whatever definitely i mean for sure the thing that's crazy to me is like when i do i've i rarely go out uh now to see shows but when i do i walk into these clubs and you know i'm in la or london or wherever and I, i literally it's like holy shit it's 1993 all the chicks are wearing like Doc Martens right. and like, you know, plaid shit and stuff. I'm like, it literally is, it's so cyclical, you know? And like 
um, there are a lot of bands that are that are sort of you know percolating now that are really like '90s. Like they're, they're everyone's playing um, you know Jaguars again yeah. and like you know Jay Mascus or you know My Bloody Valentine type shit. You know, and um, I love it. I mean, I think it's great because obviously that for me that's when I sort of made my mark as uh, in the in the business. You know, that's when we all kind of just got started and actually did something real. Um, so it'll always be that time is always will always be special to me because it's like I can remember you know seeing Drew on MTV you know in the Tracy Bonham video for the first time be like that's I know that guy you know <laughs> and like I remember um, there's a band from Boston called the Gigolo Ants and they well, I just ha- saw a couple weeks ago Drew nice really. <laughs> and uh, you know they were good friends of ours and I remember when they played Conan and we had a big party over at uh, Mike's place yeah I remember going remember in that we signed our record in deal Southie. that night. Yeah, in Cle- South. Yeah. yeah, yes, that's right. Letters to yeah. Cleo signed a re- our, we signed our record deal at this party. Anyway, that's not the story. The story was our friends were on TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I remember that so vividly. And, um, you know, be- being in Boston in the early mid-90s, there were so many bands getting signed and everybody was doing well. It was so, a great community even before that. It was oh, a yeah. very supportive music community, which is great. Yeah. But then, yeah, everybody was getting a major record deal. Yeah. So it was- and having success, you yeah. know, and we all just kind of were playing in each other's bands and touring together and nobody had a job. Nobody had a job. We just hanging out, drinking coffee and, <laughs> you know, drinking beers at night. It was great. Play some pinball. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that time period for me will always be special because it was like the first everything. First time I was on the radio, first time I was on TV, first time I went on tour, first time I got a bus, you know, all that kind of stuff. All those milestones that you have as a musician sort of happened to me around, you know, yeah, that, it was that a scene. Good time to have them too. It was great. It was great. <clears throat> and so um so yeah, I'm I'm stoked that 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 people uh you know, it's it's a it's a nostalgia thing now and I actually someone asked me that the other day when the guy that called me the that said I'm a poor man's Dave Grohl. Um, you know, he was like, do you, you know, you're playing these shows. Do you care that some people are showing up for the nostalgia factor? And I said, no, you know, I don't, I don't care. I don't, just people, if people show up at all, we're happy. You know what I mean? But I get it. I mean, I'm nostalgic for, for that time t- period as well. So yeah, I mean, when the Pixies got back together, yeah. we went and saw them. Absolutely. Was, in a bigger we're, venue than they'd ever played totally. in their career. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we got to see him. Where was, that, where was that small club we went and saw right before they did Coachella, right? Well, they were, it was right before the Pixies did Coachella for the first time. Uh, they did a show at the Glass House in Pomona the night wow. before. And so we got wow. invited to go down and see it. That's and cool. it was oh, so inspiring. Really cool. So happy when we left there. It's just like, I want to play rock again. Yeah. This is great. And, and that's the thing for us. You know, we, we, we sort of threw the, threw the band back together for this record and, and doing these few gigs that we're doing now. And it's like, we do it because we still love it. We still like each other. We still like playing this music. Like when we play Flavor of the Week, you know, I still love playing that song. You know, I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. Um, and, you know, we just kind of, it's it's really, it's it has been sort of a, um, turned into sort of a club, like a boys club, you know. I have the studio now so we can rehearse there. The guys come over, we get some beers, we put the football game on and, and like play rock music, you know. So it's, it, we're very, very lucky to be able to, to be able to do that. The rock club. The Rock Club. That's it. Yeah, and you it know... It feels like a clubhouse over there. That's for sure. What's that? Your studio feels like a clubhouse. It does, right? right? Yeah. It's rad. I have a rad studio. I'm very, very happy about that. Um, but yeah, like we're going to go play the Mercury Lounge tonight, and I think there's going to be some people in there to watch. So um, that's a win for us. Wow. Hey, cool. That was great. Thanks, that guys. Great. See ya. <laughs> Later, they just walked out of here. Um, I guess, yeah. They're Great big, podcast. Good podcast. Good call. Yeah, I, I would lo- say. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. It's um, kind of like you know, they say you know you hire the right drummer, you don't really have to worry about anything else in the band. Like you book the right guest, you don't really have to be a great podcast host. Exactly. Not and- to say <laughs> that you're not. But, you know. No, I see what you're saying, sort of. Makes it easy, doesn't it? It does make it easier. Um, and those guys released, they played Mercury Lounge. Um, I couldn't make the show, but I'm sure it was awesome. And they released an album last year called Blood and Lemonade, which you should check out. Um, I also, when I was on their Wikipedia page, saw that in 2002, they released an album called Rock and Roll Noodle Shop, live from Tokyo on Universal. So 
I don't know. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> that sounds it? cool. I haven't checked it out, but I love noodle shops and rock and roll, so I feel like that would be... I like noodle shops, I guess. Yeah. What what noodle shop do you like? Here? Brooklyn. Brooklyn? There's a um, couple good ones. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What do you like? I don't, I don't get noodles here. Yeah, I feel like I mostly go into, like, Manhattan, Chinatown. Chinatown. I, like, sometimes I'll just, like, go into Chinatown and just, like, go to a random place. Kind of works sometimes. Yeah, kind of works. The last place I actually went to is really good. Is this place called 456. My friend Rob Susie took me to um, in Chinatown. So, but don't go there because it's kind of crowded. I don't want more people going there. <laughs> so never mind. Uh, but yeah, check out check out American Hi-Fi stuff. You know, they've been around forever. Check out Stacy's old bands. Check out Drew's Restaurant. Um, and check out this obscure artist, Miley Cyrus, who... Check out all their stuff. They're awesome. Uh, check out Commonwealth Press, cwpress.com slash podcast. Get six free shirts. Check us out online. Commonwealth go- Press should be said. In case you missed the beginning of this episode. They make I- merch. Great merch. Great merch. Yeah. Um, check out goingofftrack.com. Check us out on iTunes, Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, Check out Jonah. You know, He's an interesting out. guy. Got some stuff going on. If you're interested, jonahbear.com. I keep that pretty updated with all my writing, band, podcast, web series, bullshit. So check that out. Check out Brad's old band, The Goops. Check they, out United Nations. Check out United Nations. We will be uh, we will be recording soon and playing shows and doing some stuff. So hopefully announcing some cool stuff this summer as well. Kind of a lot of stuff in the works for that. And uh, yeah. Until next week, rock on. Rock on. (laughs) 